This week on the Twin Geekcast, David's on vacation, so we brought in Bro to talk about the 40th anniversary of Alien. We also sneak in some discussion of Kevin Smith's Us. We also have Dead Don't Die, X-Men, and Men in Black in your box office. The Twin Geeks theme is provided by andrewnapiermusic.com. With David gone, I kind of feel like we're free to do anything. Yeah, I feel like we could cover whatever we want right now. <laughs> but but guys, you can't talk about anything. You gotta talk about good movies. So, David, I'm glad you said that because we're gonna talk about Tusk, the greatest movie of all time, created by the visionary director Kevin Smith. It is his finest hour. Picked up by A24, so you know it's a notable film. Oh, man. I think I think this was in early A24 days, before they knew to be a little bit more picky and choosy about their projects. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad they did this one, because you don't get a movie like Tusk that comes along that often. Yeah, I, I think the thing to defend about this movie is... I, I wanted to use the word ambition... But it's it's definitely <laughs> special. It's a movie that, that wouldn't be able to exist otherwise. And with other Kevin Smith films, I always got a vibe of... I'm going to be mean when I say it, but it's the nicest way possible. Mediocre. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of his movies could exist without him. Yes. He's like that kind of director. He, like, And that's, that's kind of sad. <laughs> you get those actors together and that same movie happens, whether or not he's there, I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's like, that's like a big problem. You could like argue that Clerks, even though that's totally what we just said, <laughs> like th- there's like a good personal stamp on that, or like Dogma because of how Catholic he is. But like it was really when like Red State hit, where it was like, oh, this guy is making movies he wants to make again. And Red State, I really like, but uh, it's not up to Tusk's level of kinoography. I, I think most people, <laughs> I think most people will point to Red State as probably yeah. his best post. I don't want to say post nineties, but like, the, like clearly there's two eras of Smith. And I think mm-hmm. they're separated by <laughs> cop out. <laughs> yeah, and I think Red State is like the ushered in thing, and I think it's nice for political commentary and stuff, but it still doesn't feel special. It doesn't feel... No. I mean, Tusk is a cultural event. You say that ironically, I mean it sincerely. Because the thing is, is like, there's no other way to spoof a human centipede, uh, hostile type movie the way Tusk did. You know what I mean? And I like it. I like it better than those movies. I don't really like those torture porn movies. I... I think this one's hilarious, the way it handles it. Yeah, it, it's a very delicate balance, and it takes the edge off the actual torture and the gore, because when you look at it, you go, oh, it's so fucking stupid, this is a walrus. <laughs> By the way, this is a movie about a man turning into a walrus, if you haven't seen it. We're three minutes in, like, the, <laughs> I'm sure they googled Talk- it, and they were like, oh my god, this podcast is derailed since David was gone. Talk about burying the lead here. Yeah. We could have just started with the man turns into a walrus, cuckoo kachoo. Yo, dude, I, my early days of internet writing, I think I erased it from <laughs> Tumblr, but I had an analysis of Tusk. I mean, bring it back. We'll run it on the site any day now. Yeah, and I treated it like the 10 out of 10 movie it was. I'm not going to go into my analysis of it, because uh, it was definitely 17-year-old Brogan analysis. But, but it was really, really good. And the the fun thing about Kevin Smith's movies, they're very interconnected before Marvel, right? Like, uh, this is part of a whole trilogy. Well, the original one that was pre-Marvel was the Viewist Universe, which was that Jay and Silent Bob era. And, yeah. and this one is meant to be in that Yoga Hosers and whatever movie he's doing next era. <laughs> yeah and if there's another movie and that was the other thing i was gonna say about this is watching this movie makes me feel like before that i was like kevin smith is a writer that got lucky and got a director job this movie i was like oh he wanted to make it at every step of the way <laughs> it's clear that this was his passion project like uh, everyone has one movie in them that they were born to make yeah and, and being able to recognize that this movie was begging to be made makes it very special compared to all the others 
I mean, I think he knew he had it in in him all along. Like all of his work uh, pointed to this point where he could make his walrus movie. And I mean, what uh, real complaints do people have about it? Like, that... it's the stupid subject matter. But if you think about it, it's got great talent. It's got Michael Parks and Johnny Depp. Like, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, and it it predated like Lobster, which kind of did what I think people wanted this to do: the Yorgos Lanthimos movie. The, I, I saw the lobster and that was a very like that was a very dry humor like yeah like it, there was never really a punchline in it it was all just un, like <laughs> muted punchlines the entire right. time it's... except i guess the ending maybe but yeah he has very acerbic wit whereas kevin smith's is yeah he's pretty stoned and he just wants to tell you a fun story yeah, dude, uh, my favorite part of it is when they do the reveal, and they do in the zoom-in <laughs> on the walrus suit. Ooh, it's never so mind. My, my real favorite part is when Michael Parks has a walrus suit, and then he just gets in it. <laughs> and then they have a walrus battle to Tusk, the song. To live. I marked this occasion for 15 years now by allowing my flippered friend a fighting chance he never had. So... You will fight me, Mr. Walrus, or you will die! Like, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's cinema history, and I'll never forget that. So I'm glad we could share this moment when David is gone. And he could just grumble while he listens to this. Well, we pushed him to get Tusk on the podcast several times, and I didn't feel like it was ever happening. So um... I think I think the only avenue we could have ever done it is if we do a Smith filmography. But I think if we do a Smith filmography before, like, real directors, I think this podcast will be going downhill fast. We did the Coens, now we're right on to Smith. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go to the important ones first. Fuck you, Scorsese. Yeah, he'll come next. Yeah, alright, so you want to move on to the box office? Yeah, we could look at that. Alright, since I think now this is going to be a golden rule that you'll never read the box office, um, I will do it in David's voice. Perfect. <laughs> alright, so number 12 is Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. <laughs> I assume the best impersonation is just a little bit more nasally. That, that, that's, I think that's, that's right. Move. Yeah, I think no, that's I, the right move. I forgot it was you for a moment. I know, dude. I think we. I think he jumped in the call real quick. No, but uh, you saw this movie, right? I saw it at SIF a few weeks ago, a little bit early screening. Uh, it's it's very dry. I can't even tell if I like it. Uh, I even like coffee and cigarettes. Uh, you know, it has that whole uh, Riza Bill Murray uh, bit where it's like, uh, you're Bill Murray, man. Um, and then like the whole thing where he's drinking coffee out of the out of the huge pot that happens with the zombies see so i don't think i'd like that. that i think that's a little too like i don't know if the words are on the nose but i don't think that'd sit yeah. well in a movie for me um i the jokes are so small and it it feels like it's probably saying something about global warming but you couldn't draw a line toward what it's saying and where it goes see that's that's really weird um but would you recommend it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know Oh, okay. Like the, I I don't know if I could recommend it. Uh, not not like heartily. Jim Jarmusch, anyway, is pretty divisive. And uh, if you like his stuff, at least check it out. I guess. Well, I guess we should do something nice. What did you like about the movie? Um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Bill uh, Murray and Bill Murray and Adam Driver together. That's a that's a good combo. And uh, late in the movie, spoilers, but they kill some zombies, and it's pretty good times. Oh my god, we gotta move on to number eleven before we get spoiler flagged. Uh, it's, okay. it's Ma. <laughs> uh, spoilers, uh, Octavia Spencer's a good actor. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about this movie other than the trailer. Uh, the trailer left me, com like, perplexed. Um, I think Octavia Spencer's, like, super capable. But, like, I don't think the trailer connected with me in the right way. I don't know what it is. And I don't think it sold you the movie it really is, either. I think there's some stuff that goes on late movie that it takes turns. Well, you already spoiled about the zombies. Can you do a light spoiler here? Because it... Give me an impression other than the trailer. Um, well, she's... I haven't seen the trailer, but she's messing with teens, and it seems like she may be the bad guy, but she has a lot of loneliness and darkness in her past, so 
She's using them to kind of connect with what she never had. Oh, okay. All right, all right. So there's a little bit more sympathy towards her than the uh, the the trailers didn't have a lot of sympathy. It would start like, oh, hey, I'm the cool person, and then yeah. it's like, oh, this is a horror movie now. So like, yeah, she's it it. I'm sure in the trailer it proposes that she's like the woman that sets him up with a place to drink and that yes. allows him to party. If something goes wrong. Yeah, that's that exactly kind of what it is. And in, in my head, if it was just that pitch, I would have actually said, you gotta go, if you're gonna do like a creepy, I'm a cool mom type thing, you should do, yeah. you should do a Stepford Wives, single white female, Amy Poehler from Mean Girls, like that type of woman <laughs> trying to yeah. blend in and then like assume her daughter's role in a clique. I think that's it, that, that'd be great. That'd be super smart, actually. I'd go watch that kind of like Freaky Friday type thing. Is that what that is? <laughs> I don't even know, man. I, I throw these pitches out there all the time. I think our last pitch failed with the Roger Rabbit one. I tried to get into the Hollywood uh, executives, and they didn't want it. We're going to make one of them. Uh, we're, we'll produce it ourselves. All right. Yeah, it'll be like Tusk. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll just make the sequel to Tusk. That's now you're talking, man. Uh, number ten, Avengers Endgame. Oh, I, I didn't do it in the right voice. I, I fucked up already. Uh, number ten, Avengers Endgame. All right, great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, David. Um, Avengers Endgame, by the way, is coming out re-released in two weeks. What that, do you think? I I think every I don't know about like the general Reddit reaction, but I I checked the pulse with my comic friends and like my nerd friends. And nobody likes it. I think I think everybody's anti this idea because it's very transparent. Well, the thing I like most about the movie, to be honest, is that it didn't have a ending credit scene, so they're adding one in. Uh, that's weird. Yeah, the thing I like least about the movie is the runtime, and they're making more <laughs> runtime. So uh, yeah. why are you selling me this movie, Marvel? You know what they should add is a intermission. They should. I am an unironic pleader for an intermission i love intermissions because i have to get up to the bathroom like three times during a movie especially yeah, a three hour movie it was weird because i went on the amc app and it, it like outlines times you should go to the bathroom which i thought was a really weird thing to do <laughs> it's it's a sad thing like if if they have to do that someone else making the movie or like some studio should just have the forethought to be like wait it's okay if we have an intermission no one actually cares or maybe make this uh, Avengers movie. Uh, we've already seen 21 movies. Maybe you could make it like two hours long. There, there, we're not going to get into it. We didn't talk about it last time. You could have cut a lot from Endgame. So on to, on to number nine's Late Night. Or Late Night. Uh, yeah, uh, Laura Lanning, one of our staff writers, has gone and seen it. But uh, I haven't heard much back. it. I guess she's disappointed with it, basically. What is it? Um, it's the Mindy, Mindy Kaling, is that her name? The office writer? Uh, oh. She goes into like late night talk show world. Uh, there aren't a lot of uh, women talk shows. Uh, she kind of brings that energy to the late night. Oh, that, oh but it's a movie, not yeah. <laughs> not actually a thing? Oh, you see, I would like that if it was like an actual late night thing, but I, I think if the message of the movie is there should be more diversity in late night, then I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a difficult premise. Why, why didn't you give Mindy a show instead of a movie? This is weird. <laughs> I know. Um, I, Min, Mindy should have another writing show where it's where it's maybe not her front and center, but she's such a good writer that. Uh, Honestly, I like her in starring roles too. Like, I, I, she she's a good performer too, so I'm not gonna knock her on that. This is just a really weird movie to have in there. Was this his first week? Uh, it was also at SIF. I just. I missed it, to be honest. Uh, it was uh, 17 last week, so now it's gone a little bit wider. I, I didn't ask you in person. How was Sif? Uh, and it was a lot. Uh, it's Well, it's the biggest festival in the country, like, uh, length-wise, right? So I was doing it for about two months long. Oh, my God. That sounds unbearable. I mean, it was a lot of movies, and I'm ready to just get back into, like, the groove of a movie or two a week. Yeah, okay, so on to movie of the week. It's number eight, John Wick, chapter three, Parabellum. Or should I say, David, John Wick, chapter three, Parabellum. <laughs> a great movie. <laughs> I actually, I, okay, so we're going to go into the streak of movies I should have seen, but I didn't uh -huh. because uh, I've, I haven't been in the movies lately. I saw one movie that was really bad. We'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, okay. I didn't get to see John Wick, chapter three. Um, I'll say, because I listened to the last podcast, Number one, I like the theme a lot. I think the theme is great. You can go ahead and plug your guy in now if you want. 
great theme. I love the. I like the feeling now instead of instead of the jazz thing. It's more moody. It's a little bit more like it feels like night. Like it feels oh, like. Oh, I got you now. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Andrew Napier. He put on. Uh, he he recorded some special stuff for us, and it's all instrumental too, which is nice. It's a, not just computer loops. That's awesome. Um, and then the other thing I was gonna say about last podcast is y'all were being really mean to the Matrix. And I want I want you to know that the Matrix is way way more important than John Wick in the grand scheme of life. I like having you on because you line up a bunch of uh, vengeances you want to strike on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I prepare them all on a checklist instead of actually mo- watching the movie. By the way, the movie we're talking about today is Alien by Ridley Scott. <laughs> instead of watching that, I just write down a list of things to complain about. And then uh, I mentioned it to you. Um, yeah, dude, The Matrix is dope. <laughs> You're like in the box office, I'm just going to bring it back to The Matrix for some reason. I didn't see John Wick. <laughs> I, I okay. hear from you guys that it's not as good as two, and I like two for the variety of the set pieces. But I have. Oh, always... I think it's better. You think it's better? David doesn't like it as much. He likes one, but. Uh... See, one is too. Here's the thing that I'm going to complain about the John Wick movies. I think the John Wick <laughs> movies, they're they are the ultimate competent movie for that type. Like, definitely, yeah. if you want to see that kind of movie, John Wick is the way to go. But there's a lot lacking to John Wick that people don't want to necessarily like admit. And there's not I mean, there's not a lot to it. It's a lot of like gun martial arts and I it's frenetic and if that's what you're looking for, that's all it is. I mean it's it's got great choreography, great performances, good cameos, visually interesting, especially two. Again, I like variety and two provided a lot of variety. But like one was like a DVD movie. But Keanu yeah. Reeves gave an A effort, and it got a good budget. Like, that's what that I is. I agree. I agree. It, you, you can tell it's just a director that really loves martial arts is, and is involved in that scene. But in, the first one wasn't really meant to be as big as it's become. In contrast, The Matrix is one of the most influential movies. Oh, I'm just kidding. And also, it doesn't have any good sequels, unlike these. I, I will also defend the sequels. Here's the thing about the sequels is... They're interesting. <laughs> I, we will I get to a movie I... later on that's bad and not interesting. But there's definitely a lot of things brought up in The Matrix, Reloaded especially, but even Revolutions that like you can learn from or like like. Like there's still good choreography and interesting visuals. There's always something going on with Wachowskis, and I feel like it is a victory to have like a trans director in hindsight. Yeah, I mean I I definitely think that's like for sure a major victory and it it's so weird and ironic that people like always use the term red pill and it's like (laughs) it's not the right term right now it just shows the zero awareness that they use for that term and it's just like yeah it's funny um on to i guess uh number seven godzilla king of the monsters (laughs) the impression gets better as you go it it does good um um, I, I didn't a, see this. I wanted to see it. You guys were also talking smack about Godzilla. Godzilla's great. No, it's not. Nobody likes Godzilla. What are you talking about? Everybody loves Godzilla. It's a thing. I, I didn't even realize it was a thing until this movie came out. <laughs> How do you look at like all these monsters and like look at everything and go, oh yeah, that's not a thing. I, I just look at him and think, oh, that's fine. That's that's a lot of monsters. It seems like overkill to me. I think I think this movie tried too hard to be one of the overkill movies. This is a yeah. really weird second Godzilla movie. You know what it I is. mean? Especially if they're following it up with King Kong versus Godzilla. Honestly, honestly, second movie should have just had, I guess, Ghidorah, or maybe you should have gone. Something more interesting than Rodan, but like a Mothra and then like a Gigan or something. And that would have been I cool. I mean, from, from what I've read from Jesse and, and whoever's seen it on the staff, it just seems like they should have just done the Godzilla vs. King Kong straight away from the last one. I mean, I, I, I like Ghidorah and stuff, but like the criticisms I hear of the movie are the humans are really boring and they try to force the expanded universe stuff with the like organizations and all that and then like the monsters the monster stuff isn't as cool and that's what people do pay for i did play um 
You ever play uh, King of the Monsters on the Genesis? That's a great video game. I, I play all the Godzilla video games. I think this was like a like a SNK thing. Um, it Is was, it a fighting uh, it was game? A, yeah, it was a fighting game, but you were like from an isometric viewpoint and you could move around the city. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are great. I love those. I like destroying shit. I, I don't care about the other <laughs> monster. I just like want to see the tiny little buildings crumble before my might. Yeah, it was like Rampage, but in kind of like an isometric 3D. You could like grab helicopters and throw them at each other and shit. And uh, very generic uh, stand-ins for like Godzilla and stuff. That's hilarious. So that's like my only context for that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that looks ugly. <laughs> Everyone I'm looking at the box art, and that box art looks disgusting. Uh, <laughs> on to it's offensively three. 90s. Yeah, uh, it's offensively something. <laughs> <laughs> um number six shaft it's harder to do it with one syllable the more syllables yeah. the better <laughs> well why don't you just uh, review shaft in uh, david's voice uh you see shaft is a 2019 revival of the previous series uh starring samuel <laughs> l jackson based on the television show was shaft a television show i don't even know a movie it was yeah. a movie shit i fucked up same thing yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, why did like what were the general thoughts on this? Uh, I look how look how low it came in too. It only made eight million the first week. I don't think anyone saw it to have thoughts on it. Did you see the trailer? No, I mean I haven't seen anything about it. I I found out about it last week. I I saw the trailers to this and it looked it looked like it was marketing to a different crowd than like the original stuff. At least in under my impression that the other shaft movies were like crime stuff right yeah this one had a little bit more of a family angle to it where it's like all oh, all the shafts are in one room together how <laughs> wacky can this be and that was a really weird feeling for the trailer i don't know if that's emblematic of the film yeah sometimes you just can't fit that much shaft speak <laughs> funny stuff david would be like that's totally inappropriate calvin we we can't yeah. i'm just kidding he wouldn't censor it <laughs> um the other thing i was gonna say about marketing is we're gonna complain about it now because i don't know next time i'm going on but the child's play marketing is terrible <laughs> it is it's so you mean, like bad. the toy story stuff it's not just the toy story stuff i'd be okay if it was number one i'd be okay if it was like one or two posters but that's the entire marketing like yeah people don't even know it's releasing this week like, the whole thing is, it came from, like, Mark Hamill. You have some awareness coming out of him, but then the the promotional posters are talking about another movie, so everyone's going to go see Toy Story and forget those posters. Yeah, and then there's no, like, real trailers for it. Like, the trailers don't really reveal any, like, interesting new footage or anything. No, I'm, I'm very worried for next week. We'll see how it goes, though. Yeah. All right, so, number five, Dark Phoenix. Oh, my God. Alright, so I think? did see this movie. I don't know why I skipped John Wick and, you know, all these. But I saw Dark Phoenix and boy, let me tell you, it was bad. Yeah, I, I quoted part of your review, that part I liked that, uh, what's that quote? Everyone's going to say something. and Yeah, it's like there's always a speech, Charles, and no one cares. It's something like that. And, yeah, yeah, perfect. And uh, it it feels like that the entire film. And... It shouldn't be a film where, like, you watch it and every single person doesn't want to make it except the executives. But it totally feels like that. And I hear that. I hear the only good part are like reshoots toward the end. Uh, yeah. The I think Disney had a hand in it, but the train set piece is actually kind of okay. When they use their powers and become X Men, it's fine. There's only one moment in combat that they were not fine, and that's because Nightcrawler teleported around Professor X because he's on a wheelchair. Would you say it's a satisfying ending to, like, 15 years of Fox? It's not a satisfying uh, anything. <laughs> Nothing. I want to put things in perspective. This was probably one of my worst films I saw in the theater ever. And I have seen uh... a lot of bad movies, people. I have seen Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, where I was the only one in the theater except for two people having sex behind me. And I uh... still I stayed through that movie. That movie... <laughs> This was a worse experience. It's not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Street Fighter was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and, uh, and I saw Fantastic Four in theaters. And it's what I said in the review, which is 
some bad movies are worth it. Especially if you're a fan. If you're a fan, you're still not going to like this movie. There's nothing to no. like. There's no new, uh, no creative. It's sad. It doesn't look like it. It looks like this was one of those things where Fox is like, man, maybe we should get bought out. We don't even know what we're doing with our top properties. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. It's like a really sorry state when most like major studios or whatever are doing worse than Disney. And Disney's really bad. So, like... Yeah. Like, this yeah. is kind of a sad state for the movie machine. Look at the... This is the second week it had the largest drop-off ever for a superhero film. It's not gonna... It's gonna lose a lot of money. Do you think they'll even... I think it would have been cheaper just to cancel it and not uh, I, do I any marketing. So. I, yeah, I think uh, I think dropping it was the best move, and they didn't do that. I'm surprised like, Disney I, saw it and was like, this is good enough. I'm, I'm People sure. are like, you can't cancel movies. They're, it doesn't work out. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, what are you doing to the brand where you can't make another movie? I, and I agree. And I mean, like, that would be different in a, another scenario. But X-Men is, like, such a big brand. And people are already anticipating X-Men in the Marvel movies. And that, yeah, like, th this did more poison than anything for it. But I also oh. said it in the review, maybe maybe Disney knew that, and they just thought the best way to kill it was to show everyone how ugly it was. Yeah, what if what if they held it and there was questions, like what could have been after Days of Future, which people like, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I guess this kind of clears the air of, uh, maybe they took, them, took that over for the right reason, and uh, they're obviously going to do something better than this. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to New Mutants. But that's Gosh, I'm not reviewing that by the way. You you can put a gun to my head. I'm not reviewing new mutants. I'm done. I think I think you already took one for the team with this. I don't <laughs> I don't even think they'll release it, so I think you're clear. Alright, sweet. So on to number four, Rocket Man. I didn't uh, see this either. But apparently no. it's your guys' top movie. It's one of the best movies of the year for sure. Where do you rank it in musician biopics? Um I don't know if it's like Amadeus or something, but um, in a less pretentious fair, I think it's a lot more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I think the extravagant life of Elton John is a little bit more like poppy and uh, fluid well, for a modern audience. I think what's so interesting is I didn't find out till pretty recent before the showing that, that Elton John really was gay. No, <laughs> that he was. I was gonna say that Elton John was gay. Imagine going into that movie and being like, "Whoa." <laughs> There's some there's some real sex scenes in there. Yeah, John throws his legs back and really really seems to get See, it. See, I'm okay. That that's nice. Yeah, I I like that they went all the way with it because usually with like one of those gay gay scenes in a big movie, they they cut away pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I think they do that in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like Bohemian Rhapsody is <laughs> kind of ashamed of uh, Mercury's sexuality in it because like they they got like her like his uh, heterosexual uh, love interest that like kind of weaves in and out of the story I, I think it wasn't properly done well it makes it look like that's the main problem like uh, everything was going fine until he became a homosexual yeah and then he got AIDS and died wow what a fucking story <laughs> fuck right. you who's this giving hope to yeah but uh, the director of this Dexter Fletcher he came in and saved that movie also so oh man is there a future for musician biopics now like is he going to do another uh, one? Is there a trilogy I, of these? Well, as far as producers go who usually handle rights, right? They're they're looking at Bowie next. Oh, I see. That'd be sick. That'd be all right. Yeah, I think Bowie has a lot cinematically you could, you could look I, at. I like Bowie the movies. most out of those. I do, too. I'm not even a big Elton John guy. I think David's our Elton John guy. So this really surprised me that it, it, it fit my aesthetic. It, I love Taron Egerton in it. Yeah, and he's like I, I don't know the process of him singing, but he's he's a good singer. Uh, yeah, at, at least um, I'm told that. He only does like your song live. Um, everything else is pretty much recorded in booths, obviously. But okay. but it's really impressive when he does belts them out. That's awesome. All right, so on to number three, Aladdin. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> this this box office is so unforgiving this week. Yeah, this is a brutal box office. Um, I didn't see this either, but I'm not going to. I'll probably see no. it way down the line. Um, I know a lot of Disney fans were mad at me when I put the review out. Well, let me ask, what what is the redeeming to the film? 
um, they put a new song in for Jasmine that sounds like the Frozen song. You know the song? Yeah. That uh, it it it's like oh she she has a voice now because she doesn't really talk or have any kind of stance in the animated film. Do do they give her a lot to do other than the song? Like, is there? Yeah, yeah. They, I think her roles increase. It's a lot longer than the the animated film, but nothing else really happens. Oh dang. And uh, Jeannie gets a romantic part partners <laughs> that's the thing that happens wow good for will smith man i know oh i was gonna use this moment to get on another soapbox again this is the soapbox hour i don't like will smith that much i was looking the other day and you know his only rotten tomato approved movie is men in black the original that's crazy <laughs> only one movie ever made it into I, the i don't, fresh I don't think he I, I don't want to say that none of his movies are certified fresh by brogan I'm just saying, like, I don't, I think he gets by a lot on charm and not actual, like, so. uh, acting skill. I think so. Like, I, I even like I Am Legend, like, not, not compared to the old one, obviously, but it's fine. No, I mean, yeah, he's in a lot of fine movies. Like, I, right. I you know, I'd, I'd rate it 70% certified fresh. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he does get by on charm and, uh, charisma more than, uh, more than especially acting chops. I don't think that's why he was ever brought into a film. And then and then he tried desperately to like do acting chops movies and then it's like yeah. seven pounds is <laughs> a tragedy. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Uh, what was did he ever have success? I'm s so, I bet Pursuit of Happiness must have been like certified fresh. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Uh, you're the one that told me the certified fresh ratings just now, but yeah, I believe I, that. I know all about tomatoes, but uh, I could find out and edit this. It's it's fine. <laughs> we yeah, we can move on okay. to Secret Life of Pets too. <laughs> it has a lot of conservative ideas, which is uh, weird for a kids movie. Well, how conservative? Um, it's just looking at uh, very heteronormative relationships, and really, um, it's kind of boring what it what it ends up doing with that uh i my daughter and i walked out halfway through I, can you I go ahead and spoil it because like the word heteronormative relationship i definitely need more context oh geez it's um i guess the whole thing about it is that i don't know what you want me to say <laughs> like there's only like a destiny for like a dog to go and make babies and that's the only outcome that's possible in life oh and... that's fucked okay yeah that's all i mean though that's enough context for me to go that's fucked yeah there it i i guess the whole movie is about that is what i'd say it's it's all about there only being one pathway in life and uh, it's it's hopeless see th that's really bizarre for illumination too i yeah I don't know. I don't know what kind of track record they're on. Did you see Despicable Me three? Um, I I don't know which ones I've seen. I've seen two of them. <laughs> they all have minions, I guess. Uh, I like minions. Minions was dope. I, I I like most Illumination movies, so this is kind of a bummer for me. But I wasn't gonna see it, so I guess it's not that big of a bummer. I don't really know uh, if it needed a second one. I I I think the first one's fine, but it's no Toy Story. It's. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's no secret life of pets one I guess. All right, so. Or uh, what are we calling it? Slop, slop one. Slop, slop one, the slop trilogy. <laughs> Shit, they better not. <laughs> I I don't think there's gonna be a third with that box. Maybe I don't know how these movies work. Uh, number one, Men in Black International. Oh my god, this is like my X Men. Oh, did you not like this? No, no, I thought it was, it's, I was going to write a review, but I was so bored, I, I don't know what to say. What, what did you take away from the film? That, um, jeez, what, what could you possibly take away from it? Tessa Thompson looks good in suits. Yeah. How is Hemsworth in comedy? Uh, He's okay. I, I think they're okay together, but you kind of just go to watch them and nothing really happens outside them. Cracking a few jokes and then yeah. you use your whole evening and then it's all gone and you don't remember it. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think I think the thing that for me that I took away from 
your news about Men in Black International is that they tried to push Men in Black and a lot of other movies like Ghostbusters as franchises when they're just really good pitches and then they make a good movie on that pitch. And you can't right. make ten movies on this pitch. It's insane. I think they're figuring I think they're figuring it out though, because it was originally going to be like a twenty one jump street crossover. See, and it here's feels the like thing like... is I would have loved crossovers. I, yeah. I am on the crossover train. I think the next direction we should all go as moviegoers is into crossovers. I want Scooby-Doo meets Godzilla. I want yeah. John Wick versus the Avengers. I want them all. Have you seen, I think it's called Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts? Uh, no, but I know what that is. That's the one that's... Because uh, I know my Scooby-Doo continuity... Uh, based on the yeah. cartoon uh, with the Vincent Price and all that, where they like yeah. it was like Scooby, uh, Scooby, Scrappy, Daphne, and Shaggy, and they went to hunt down thirteen ghosts, but they never yeah. got the thirteen ghosts. So you need the follow-up film that that completes the cycle. I'm um, I'm glad that they released it in 2019. You know what I I really got out of that film is uh, um, you know Fred he's a uh, he's related to Bobby Flay. That's hilarious. Like That's awesome. That's my favorite thing about the movie is that Bobby Flay turns up and everyone's like, Fred, you didn't tell us he's your uncle or your... Why would Bobby Flay say yes to this film? I, I, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, it's kind of centered around a kitchen, which always works for uh, Scooby and Shaggy. Uh, it's comedy gold. I, I, would yeah. have, I would have imagined Fred would have been better with Guy Fieri, but... Uh... Right. I guess I guess he was too uh, a list for them. The, I guess the, that I guess you look at low. you look at Fred like a weird New England uh, mysterious rich background uh, and family members a celebrity. I guess you'd go with Flay, right? But you know, I look at him and I go, that ascot is a one way ticket to Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we're done here. We're not even talking about Men in Black anymore. Uh, let's oh. just uh, what. Well, Men in Black, nothing especially really happens. Um, I think the first movie is the only good one in the series. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I didn't like two, and I didn't like three. I, I don't. I, I don't like Will Smith, so he doesn't carry either. the movies for me. No, and they have uh, kind of a dynamic with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Smith in those movies, where it's like straight man in a foil. Did Did they not cameo in this movie? Well, we're gonna spoil every single movie on this top ten. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, alright, so Alien, yeah, I think, I think the thing that I took away from this movie, I made a realization that this is like one of the most written about movies ever, so a lot of what we say will probably be, have been said elsewhere, and I just want everyone to know that I didn't copy anything, because I don't read ever. <laughs> I kind of ran into that as well, where I feel like this is such a well-covered movie, and despite it being a favorite, I, I've been wondering all week what, what new information we have to give. I, I, don't think, I don't think there's a lot other than our personal experiences with it, maybe some comparisons to Scott's other work, or God forbid, Aliens. I don't want to get into that conversation. But... I guess I have a somewhat unique perspective, because I'm the only person on staff that likes every single Alien movie. But but I like Prometheus and Covenant, so I think we're on good footing here. A lot of the stuff that led into Alien comes out in Prometheus, so I feel like we have a lot of context that we didn't have when this came out. Yeah, and I think I think the thing I like most about Prometheus was the questions it asked and the nice engineer production design, like uh, of the aliens and like the the environment of that world. The worst parts of Prometheus were probably the the dialogue, the Lindelof dialogue, and mm. when they tried to shove in the xenomorph thing. I know yeah. the xenomorph is not technically a xenomorph in Prometheus. Don't comment. Right. I, I will hunt you down, listener, and say I know. It is interesting to me because it, it goes back and asks why they were there. Because the, there's a feeling in Alien where there's a momentum where we don't have to consider the why of it, and that's what appeals to to me so much because um, I think Aliens, especially the second movie, answers a lot of questions that don't don't need to be answered. I think for I think for movies and franchises that have sequels and prequels, no one asked for. 
I think Alien yeah. is definitely appropriate. Well, we should talk about it's been 40 years since it's released. 40 years ago this month, it uh, made its world premiere at SIF, actually. Wow. That's so that's a, that's a cool thing. And we had a little documentary there that I was looking into, but uh, uh, Alien, like the origin of it. But it didn't have a lot of the um, producers and actual people from the set, so I didn't really feel like writing about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, did they just talk about the monster design, I guess? Yeah, there's there's already a lot of that out there. I mean, uh, there's a lot of Geiger documentaries already, that, so I didn't really learn anything. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about the Geiger design? Absolutely. Uh, so that stuff was kind of left over with the uh, with Dan O'Brien and uh, and Geiger's work on the Dune movies. So they kind of took spiritual inspiration from like Geiger's Notebook, and Dan showed it to uh, Ridley Scott and. They were able to kind of see like what what kind of aesthetic they wanted for an alien. Yeah, and I I think it pulls off mostly well in the thing, especially the close ups and stuff. His body's kind of scary when you don't realize it's a guy in a suit. And uh, it's it's cool because it's a really tall guy. I forget the guy's name that plays him, right? But he's a he he fits the suit very well. Yeah, I think I like, think when I was reading, it, it was like he was like six seven or something. It was crazy. And it's so weird to me, just the idea that it would all be CG now, and the the old idea of this guy wandering around the set with the actors in a suit. I think I think the Xenomorph and Alien Covenant looked way worse. I think the CGI doesn't suit the Alien very well because like the sleek black, uh, like of yeah. the production design, really like lends well to actual. I guess I don't know what they use prosthetics. Even in the this original Alien, I think the production and set design is really one of the heroes of the movie. Oh, for sure, and especially like the first half for me. I love the first half of this film. The second half of this film is like all right. <laughs> There's kind of it is kind of a film of two halves where it goes different ways, but I I appreciate both in different ways. Well, well, the thing I noticed and I actually wrote down in notes about it was when they when they land onto the 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 I guess ship or whatever or like the planet yeah. or whatever um the they do little uh, CRT found footage almost moments yeah I thought that was really I, like I didn't pay attention before I was like oh my gosh that's very like it definitely works in a modern time now like that that hit probably way different than it hit for people back then like that that, um. that looked crazy they shot a lot of it like documentary where Ridley Scott would leave a lot of cameras around, but that part is especially interesting because he's like filming with like shaky hand cam and then, uh, then he's filming the film of that off of a CRT TV. Yeah. That's insane. That's, that, that, that's awesome. I love that double layer too. So you have like a layer removed from the actual technology toward like old retro technology of the future. Yeah. And I think, I think the most interesting theme for me, like thematically, I get bored of because everybody talks about like sexuality and <laughs> yeah. like that's you know freshman year of college movie appreciation one hundred and one stuff or that, like that alien has unknown. a penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the technology angle of it is really fascinating to me still, and I I like the sort of to me the xenomorph represents. Uh, like a weaponization of evolution which they explored in like covenant and prometheus totally i i generally think of the first two movies like this way that the first film if i were writing a college paper right now that the first film's like a liberal nightmare of the patriarchy coming to kill the woman yeah and uh where gender roles of course are always uh they're always punished and uh the second film's like a conservative nightmare where it's all <laughs> matriarchy Oh and it's God. about the queen, right? That makes sense. I, I I will say I don't like in the future films this I like the alien life cycle in this way more than the sort of insect disposability of future yeah. films. I like the I do like gender wise that they have the ability to impregnate men. I think that's fascinating. <laughs> I, yeah, I I think the life cycle is probably one of the most fascinating things about the alien in like a writing sense because that feels so I, real i i think there's a lot of realness you can connect to too like they were able to look at well like with the face hugger they're like let's use a human skin tone and somehow that's terrifying oh yeah that makes oh yeah and when ash is like pointing at the little bits when they have it open 
Oh, dude, that's so yeah. gross. I think that's one of the scariest bits for me. And, like, once he tears inside it, you know, it's, like, all, like, oyster parts. Like, uh, just, they're digging into an oyster, and you can see there's a lot of practical stuff going on. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, how do you feel about the performances in this film? How do you feel about the humans? Sigourney Weaver, obviously, it's written for a man originally, and she plays that part so well. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this film makes Sigourney Weaver's uh, Ripley uh, very likable. And clearly enough to, like, carry a franchise. Um, there's, go ahead. there's so much talent around her that are kind of... Well, the, before this in sci-fi films, it was always a little bit hammy, but there's a real seriousness to the way everyone conveys their roles here that I, I really buy into. Yeah, but the the thing I'll complain about is I think writing-wise, they are dedicated to making Ripley um, yeah. interesting, and a lot of people suffer for that. And there's there is qualified actors saying some very mediocre dialogue in some bits. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like John Hurt eventually gets pretty underused here, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the only person that really gets a good time is I don't know the actor's name, the guy that plays Ash the Android. I think I think he gets a good um, bit of contention because he's pretty much Ripley's opposite. Yeah, Ian Holm. He he has incredible scenes, especially when they have to go. Well, when he puts the porn magazine down her throat firstly. Yeah, that's spooky. Then once that once they rip his head off and he has a little monologue on the ground, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, and to me, that's like the last like really interesting scene of the film. I think the film oh, starts man. to go downhill for me. I, I guess what what doesn't work for you? I think it gets a little too horror movie. I think it gets yeah. a little too, especially, okay, I think it's really dumb that the alien gets on the escape pod ship. <laughs> I think do? that's so dumb. And then, okay, the thing that works about it is it, I think it gets really scary, and, it, like, it's a good surprise reveal, and Ripley's very, like, um, Ripley's very uh, vulnerable. So, like, there's, like, it feels like in Halloween when Michael Myers is, like, in the room, and Laurie's, yeah. like, in the closet, and, like, when Ripley's, like, suiting up and all that, it's really spooky. But, like, just thinking about it puts me off. And then when she finally shoots him out of the airlock, I, I don't think it's a very good payoff for me. Uh, like, that's the most visible you see the alien. It's a very clear, like, rubber suit. And then, like, it does a weird fading effect where, like, when he gets shot out, it, like, it goes in and shows it multiple times. But it's not, like, a quick jump cut. It's just, like... It, it does a fade. It's so weird. It's very weird, yeah. I think that, that one bit is my only downside of the film, is the way the aliens ejected out. Yeah, I mean, also visually, uh, I think it goes way less interesting, because everything goes dark, pretty much. Like, like, the film gets really dark, and then there's, like, sources of orange light for, like, you know, lights and the flamethrower and all that in that second half. Visually, I think it's way less interesting. You could kind of feel it where they ended up having their three acts, and the movie's already kind of over before that section comes up. Yeah, and that's a very like horror movie trope of like the the you know the the person is safe, but then there's yeah. a surprise and he's back. And I don't think it works for this film, personally. Uh, horror, horror movies love a small fourth act. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I think I think fourth acts like work in some scenarios but he here i think it robs the alien of some things i think him getting on the escape pod also makes him a little a little too smart and a little too malicious if you know what yeah. i mean um I, I i like how it's done there's they originally they were going to play into that scene with a lot more sexuality which i think would have been a lot more interesting i know that like the scenes with the there aren't very many but when there's a particular jump scare i know they weren't really pushing for that you know, there's a. I like that there's a different kind of horror atmosphere to Alien that can't change the way horror was done. Yeah, I think the. I think we've been. At least I've been really hard on it, but I think the nice way to say about this movie is it's incredibly tasteful. Yeah, I mean the the best thing I could say about the movie is that it's perfect. I don't know about the word perfect, but it is. It is so well done that it's impressive. It's scary how impressive it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the, the stuff they do with, like, modeling and stuff. 
1979, it's um, it even feels like a small leg up on like Star Wars, the believability of the space. Yeah, and I mean, like from a writing standpoint and from a performance standpoint, just in every facet, the movie feels very advanced. Yeah, uh, I. I believe their version of space too, because there's not a lot of it doesn't have to explain things, which I I hate about sci-fi films. They they get so expositiony and they they kind of lose sight of telling a story because they're so busy telling you how everything works. Yeah, and uh, and I actually like the blue collar rustic feel to it. Like most of the crew members are very like working class. When am I going to get my paycheck type thing? And I mm. I definitely appreciate that in a very high concept movie. It's very space trucker. <laughs> space trucker. Yeah, uh, the I don't. I again, I don't remember names, but the black guy gets I think the worst bit of dialogue when he clearly yeah. says, um, "This place gives me the creeps." I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> Whoever wrote that should be shot. I feel bad I for that guy. They, yeah, you're right that uh, that Weaver gets all the good lines. Um, and, and I think Dallas, um, the, uh, the captain pretty much of, uh, the first half or like the first three quarters of the film, um, I think he's not underutilized, but he's a little lacking to me. I guess I want a Kurt Russell and he's definitely discount Kurt Russell. They're, they're conforming to gender roles, so they all have to die. Uh, I see. <laughs> That's just how this movie works, I think. Of course. That's as far as uh, 1979 movies, uh, that's one of my favorite years of cinema, and I think it's the best one. Uh, what are its contemporaries? Uh, Apocalypse Now, Warriors, Caligula, <laughs> Mad Max. I like all of those movies, but I think this one is, as you said, more perfect. I think all the movies you just said um, have clearer problems. And what else do we have? Kramer vs. Kramer, uh, Rocky Two. I don't like Rocky II that much. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Stalker, that's a big deal, I guess. Um, I guess I would ask you, how do you feel about it in terms of other Scott films? I think it's the best one. Uh, you could tell that we both watched the director's cut, right? Yes. So, uh, you could tell that he had the least to go do, and I mean, I watched, I watched the 1993 comedy at, or commentary and the 2003 commentary, and. Uh, in both ones, he's like, the movie's just good enough that I don't need to go do very much. That's awesome. Yeah, see, see that that's great. And I think he feels so compelled to do it in other films. It's kind of, like, bothersome. Yeah. It's one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves of Blade Runner. Is, like, I, I think the people that made 2049... I don't like 2049 that much, but I think, at least on a writing perspective, they knew not to, like, address the Deckard thing. And... Yeah. And Scott does not know when to give up on that. No, I mean, even with Alien, he he might not have touched this movie because it's perfect, but then he had to go make multiple movies to explain it anyway. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't know his motivations behind things. I think he's brilliantly talented. And, like, I, I even like other stuff. Like, I love Gladiator. Yeah. And, like... I, I guess it's just money that makes him feel compelled to go back to these uh, movies, you know, to at least produce like 2049 or whatever. But How do you feel about Legend? I never saw Legend. Okay. We did record a podcast, but uh, our audio broke, so we couldn't use it. Oh, man. Uh, looks like we all missed out on everyone making fun of Tim Curry as like a <laughs> giant makeup mess. I think David and I were both all for him, but uh, I, I think it was more like the Tom Cruise that we, that we were kind of picking on with that movie. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, is it? I don't even know how it's generally regarded. Oh, I think I think Tim Curry's one of the best villains in that film. He's he's menacing and and horrible looking. See that that's awesome. I think I think definitely with Ridley Scott films, production design never is done as well as here. But it is always impressive, always amazing. Yeah, he knows how to build a scene around a set, and um, obviously good blocking, good, uh, you know, he he knows how to use an actor. Yeah, and and the actors are always like they're they're always given scenes to work with or depth, especially if we talk about Prometheus and Covenant. Fastbender 
gets a lot of room to like play around and it's never yeah. it's never like him chewing scenery like the actors never choose scenery they're just allowed to inhabit very large uh spaces that's very interesting to me that's one thing i love that is he encouraged a lot of improv and stuff and whatnot on the ship so it would feel like a documentary and that gives it like a gritty feeling that of course inspired stuff like uh, under the skin and where you have uh, like five six cameras in the car and is under the skin the greatest movie of all time it's it's between this and that maybe yeah i didn't realize yeah. you liked alien that much like, yeah i i i adore alien but like you said the the more i watched it the less i thought there was to say about it yeah yeah it's it's hard again like you could you could go on Google or YouTube and look up college essays, and and you could you could find a lot of stuff on there. It's almost like one of those things where you've talked about it enough where you don't want to say anything that's like, a, okay, you've already heard this analysis thousands of times. Yeah, yeah, I, I was definitely scared about it going into this podcast. I think I think as of now we've got enough variety in there. Um, I'm trying to think of things that we needed to say about the film that we didn't. Um, there's, I, structurally, it's it's interesting for a horror movie because it has that that first half that doesn't really feel like horror at all. It takes a long time. It's like Jaws. It takes forever to for the shark or the alien to show up. It's it's got a slow burn, but like to me, even um, to me, it still maintains a very solid mood throughout. Yeah. Like there, you never question that it's a horror movie. Like you don't go, no. did I walk into the wrong movie? Um, yeah. I think there's I mean, like a contrast in like Jaws. I think it's a nice contrast between the daylight and then the brutality of the murder. But you know, here, here, there's no problem. I think there's a lot of build up here where there's a lot of build up to the pacing of okay, when the alien comes, it's going to be a big moment. Yeah, and that culminates in I guess the most iconic scene, like probably the most important scene, and like the shift into a different story, which is the. Uh, the diner scene or at least the i said diner like it's space balls <laughs> um right. the the john hurt belly scene yeah yeah which is uh, that's a scene i i think it's watching it that held up really well this time um the performances seemed very visceral and it was probably the best i saw out of the entire film uh, how do, do you feel like the alien holds up itself no no i don't know no, you don't i, I Maybe maybe I'm just so used to things making fun of it, but um, but the little sperm baby reminded me too much of like the baby from Eraserhead. Yeah, <laughs> it looks I funny it. to me. Um, um, but the actual performances that. again, not a problem. I love this alien. It's one of my favorite horror monsters, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. And again, the life cycle is really great. And I think I think one of the more haunting aspects was uh i again i forget names of when john hurd's character uh when he wakes up from the coma and they mm -hmm. ask him what he remembers and he says nothing but i remember a dream and he's like i, I think he says uh, it's a dream where i was being smothered or something uh, yeah the, the face hugger idea is is everywhere now but back then that was a that was a terrifying thing and yeah and that line is terrifying you know what i mean where, yeah. where it's like it, he doesn't necessarily remember the full trauma, but the trauma definitely left something in him. And that, that that's scary in itself. Yeah. And a lot of this is a lot of carried trauma that people are bringing onto the ship and that they have to deal with. And I think that's, I guess we're going to talk about it now. I think that's one of the areas where Aliens does do well, where I think we see some good amount of Ripley um, dealing with trauma and showing her strength through it. Um, it's still a little, a little too jingoistic and action for yeah. me, but I think even more so it is. Yeah, but I I don't like aliens that much. I don't like Cameron that much, but I don't want to keep getting eviscerated on this podcast for my <laughs> opinions. I I love aliens as well, but for a lot different reasons. Like it's it's a Vietnam movie basically. Yeah, but I feel so. <laughs> when I see a Cameron movie, I feel like I'm watching Starship Troopers without the satire it's a very yeah. different experience for me 
it's just jingoism without any kind of subtext for what that means or how you're supposed to feel about it for sure and i i will definitely give him more credit i don't think he's necessarily like that i'll watch a michael bay film and be like well maybe cameron's not that bad right yeah um i i see where he is going with the with the movies of that time and it's a really interesting one uh to to kind of pull into that and to make it like a whole like war outside the ship of course leverages a lot more than alien has yeah and, and i mean i think aliens is radically different honestly if we talk about aliens um you should compare it to like terminator 2 right i i would ask you more like do you like terminator 2 or aliens more and then with aliens but (laughs) yeah i i yeah i agree and then uh for alien i would definitely ask about prometheus and covenant and clearly it's better than prometheus and covenant yeah i mean i think aliens the best movie of its type anyway and i don't think it can get better which is i guess where you come from when you say perfect Yeah, when I say something's perfect, is it as good as it could have been? I think so. Yeah, for sure. Um, What did you think of Covenant, I guess? (laughs) I was entertained by it. It's a lot of fan service for me, though, isn't it? Yeah. I I mean, I even like Resurrection, which is a piece of shit. Which one's Resurrection? That's the one that came after 3, where uh, uh, it's that French director. He's all right. Uh, I, I I didn't pay attention to the movies after Aliens. Again, I saw the Predator stuff. I was like, yo, sweet, they're going to fight. Again, I love crossovers. But... Um, yeah, the Resurrection's the one where they bring... Well, well, they resurrect Ripley. It's like a, hundreds of years in the future. Um, it's more Is John Perlman in that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, and they do like... Don't they do like a Ripley-Xenomorph hybrid or something? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really cool idea, but um, obviously a uh, French director that uh, Junet he couldn't even understand the actors. <laughs> he couldn't really direct them either. Oh, that's not good. That's not good at all. No, he couldn't speak English, so they just kind of performed, and he took what he had. Oh, that's that's sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a sad way for Alien to go. It uh, Alien always kind of got pushed around by a lot of producers once it was outside Ridley Scott's control. I. And I think I think Ridley Scott's new Alien movies, I think the fan service is probably the worst part of them. I think they get really yeah. interesting when he tries to ask those bold questions. Prometheus did a lot of mileage for me. I really enjoyed Prometheus. Covenant kind of spat in the face of Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, I think Covenant tried to bring it back a little bit closer to what you thought Prometheus would be, if you had no idea. Yeah, and... So uh, I- Go ahead. The first time I went to Prometheus, I didn't know it was an alien movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I went to the what theater. What was your reaction when the alien showed up? It was... I I think I left the movie early. Oh, really? I don't know what was happening, but I didn't end up seeing the alien. So I, I found out later and went back and saw it, and I was like, holy shit, this is a great movie, actually. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens, and like even to this day, things like uh, the C-section scene in Prometheus really stick out to me. I feel comfortable talking about Prometheus because I am sure we're not going to have that podcast. I don't know if we'll be able to talk David into it. Yeah, yeah, it's like Tusk. You know, it's Tusk levels of like, <laughs> I don't want to watch Prometheus, guys. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not a masterpiece. So it's hard to get on. <laughs> Oh man! If Orson Welles directed it, I'm sorry, we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to save this back half just to talk shit. Yeah, yeah no, no. We're, I I love David. David's great. Oh, no, it's great. All right, where where else do you want to go with this combo? Um, I think we could probably close it up. Do you have anything you're seeing soon? Seeing soon? Um, probably the movies that I missed out on the box office. I want to see John Wick and then uh, Godzilla. Those are the yeah, two I need uh, to see. So you're not you're skipping Rocket Man. Uh, I'll I'll probably catch it like I catch like I caught Bohemian Rhapsody, which was on direct uh, to DVD or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm probably not going to see that in theaters. Let me ask: Was it worth it seeing it in theaters? I think absolutely because I got to see it in Dolby. If if not, then I I think I'd wait. I'm I'm not a huge music guy. Like I don't appreciate sound like other people. <laughs> I'm like part deaf. 
that's the thing for me is that I, I hear sound in like colors and I have like that synesthesia thing. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe I have a closer connection to something like that. No, I, I can understand that. That sounds like a much better experience then. All right. But yeah, I don't have anything else to say about Alien. Psh, that movie's boring. Psh.